Welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate all of you, and now let us begin. I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. Thank you for joining me today. Friends, I have a uh, something a little bit different today. Instead of me actually recording this, uh, I'm actually giving you a episode on Acts 17. And this episode is pretty special because this was a Bible study I just did this past week. And honestly, it turned out, I think, pretty well. Uh, I don't like to brag, or, but it, I think it went really well. It was that for a youth group it, from ages 13 up to college. And so, you know, honestly, we just still do the same thing we do on the podcast. We, we, we dive into deep spiritual truth and trying to just honestly just exposit the word of God so that they are able to see and and see the grace of God and the glory of God. And so with that being said, we're going to go ahead and play this for you. And at the end, I do pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you. You stay strong out there, stay safe, and make sure you are letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Here we go. You said Acts 17. Any verses or just I just said 24. We're going to start in 24 and go to 31. All right. So let's go ahead. Let's go ahead and read um, 24 through 31. So it says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God, we ought not to think of the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. 
Okay, so let's go ahead. Uh, we'll jump back unless you your uh, Bible doesn't have to go back to 24 on another page. So verse 24 says, The God who made the world and all things in it. Kind of goes back to the very, very first verse of the Bible. Anybody want to turn there real quick? One of you young pups. The first verse of the Bible. Galatians. Wow. Genesis 1.1. Someone read that out loud. I can read it. Okay. Are you gonna? Do you need help finding Genesis one one? <laughs> Just the first verse. One one, right? Yes. Okay. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the Okay. So same thing here in verse. Ver, I mean. Acts 17, 24. The God who made the world and all things in it. It's the same thing. Nothing's changed. It says, He is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not dwell in temples made with hands. So, in this part of this passage here, we're talking about there's many pagan gods out there. Uh, if you know anything about uh, mythology, uh, I unfortunately had to, to study that in uh, college, which was... That was something else. Um, but we had all these books, like, um, I don't remember. I remember Homer was one of them. I don't know, not Homer Simpson. Um, but anyway, all that myth, mythological stuff, you know, the God of love, the God of war, God of all these things. Um, that's what a lot of times people, they did. There's so many gods out there, little G's, that I don't know. I don't know what religion has many, but I know... The uh, Hindu uh, religion has like hundreds and hundreds of gods. And, you know, there's always... Now, this is the difference between Christianity and everything else. Christianity is grace through faith. Every other religion is works-based. means they have to do certain things, so they have to live the best way possible... By their own deeds, by their own good works, do they get into heaven? Even the, or well, their version of heaven, and even then they don't know that either. Um, a lot of a lot of times, uh, I've heard many stories of, of Muslims not having a clue if they're going to go to heaven or not, no matter what they do, and they don't know if if they made you know Allah happy or not, or pleased him, or whatever it is, and so what. No. No, they don't. They don't believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the Living God. They think, they think he was a prophet or a, a, a good teacher. But they actually view him as like the Antichrist of their religion. So, yeah, that's a whole other. That's a whole other subject. But basically, what you're understanding here is is we're having we're having a, it, it, this is a sermon here. Uh, because the title of it actually is a sermon on Mars Hill, and um, you know Paul was here and he's talking about men of Athens. Well, where is Athens at? Greece. Okay. Well, if you know anything about that, I mean, we're talking. I mean, if you just looked up on your phone right now, you don't have to do that. I mean, you know, you know, kind of the Greek gods. Uh, one of the one of the movies I I liked but didn't like. 
I was the movie Troy. Yeah. Um, and they, you know, they're talking about, you know, not mocking the gods and sacrificing to the gods and this to the gods and that to the gods. And those gods were made out of statues and carvings and all these things like that, which, you know, I mean, if I, if we melted this table all the way down, created an image and, and, you know, cooled it off and it, and it hard, hardened, we could make it a god of whatever if we wanted to. What's that going to do? It's going to do absolutely nothing. So, again, but this is what happens when men or people turn away from the living God. And they serve. Now, what he's saying also here in 24, God does not, the true God does not dwell in temples made with human hands. He's not, and by the way, um, some of my relatives have had an issue with this, but they think that they, in order to pray, that they had to come to church to pray. That I have to go to church to pray. God doesn't live in this building. So I did say it Sunday, but you know he doesn't he doesn't hang out here. And then on Sundays after we leave, he says, "All right, see you later. Take it take it easy. I'll see you um, see you next Wednesday or next Sunday." That's not what happens. And what's amazing about the God that we serve is because it says here He does not dwell in temples made with hands. Where does He dwell in then? We've studied that before. What? Yeah, but a little more specific. Not specifically in heaven. Where does he live at? Because we talked about this in Corinthians before. He is everywhere. But where 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 does he dwell in? I don't want to give it away, but if you have your faith in him, what happens? Well, think about think of all the think of all the stuff we've talked about. This is okay. Yeah, I and he is. That means he's omnipresent. God is the three O's: the omnipresent, uh, omniscient, and uh, oh, omnipotent. Omnipresent means he's everywhere at all times. That's true, but he doesn't. Where does he, what does he dwell in though? Yes, he's in heaven. Sure. You're right. He does. But something amazing happened when when uh, when we put our trust and faith in him. What happens? What have I been saying for I don't know, for a long time? What? What? Oh. Are you making a hand gesture or I don't what what do you, what do you Yes. He he dwells within us. Now wait a minute. Now here's 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 where other so-called Christian religions get, they miss the boat. They think that, that God does live within us, even if we have trust and faith in him or not. If we don't, he doesn't live within you. And the, part, the, the problem with that is if he's not living within you, your spirit, and we've talked about this before, your spiritual being is dead. You cannot please God outside of the spirit. And that's, that's a really hard concept for people to understand because when we read in John 3, talking about you must be born again, that means born from above. Because Nicodemus said, well, I can't go back in my mother's womb and be born again, can I? 
That's, that's not what Jesus was talking about. It means you're spiritually born from above. When you place your faith and your trust completely in him and you repent of your sins, and what happens is, is it's again, it's, lights don't go off and, and you know, halos and, and white robes and, all the, and harp, you know, angels playing harps and stuff. That doesn't happen. But what does happen is that he instantly makes your spirit alive. And when your spirit's alive, then he not only does he does he take he takes the heart of stone and removes it. We read that in Ezekiel. So what happens is the heart of stone just means that uh, who you are, your whole entire being, your whole entire self, uh, includes your your spirit, is not receptive to the things of God. So this stuff here was like this doesn't this doesn't matter to me at all. It's 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 nice stuff, but that's about as far as it goes. Um, but when what happens is is it, it's it's such a miracle, and the big word is called justification. So when we put, place our trust and faith in Christ and Christ alone, and we we truly repent of our sins with a godly sorrow, again, what happens what is is that he he instantly justifies you. He gives you his righteousness. He makes you alive. And his Holy Spirit dwells within you. And then he takes that heart of stone and then he gives you a heart of flesh. That means that's a heart receptive to what God says. You have a, you have a new desires, new longings. And he says he puts a new spirit within you, little s. That means your spirit is now activated, if you will. It's alive. And now he also puts big s, the Holy Spirit, within you as well. His spirit. So that now your desires change from being consumed with just yourself to his desires. What does he want? How do I, how do I be holy like he is holy? I actually have a desire to pick this up myself and read it. And I'm not going to ask you this question because I don't want to make anybody feel bad. But have you ever opened up this book within the last month on your own? Willingly. Not being forced to, not coming to, not coming on Sundays, not coming on Wednesdays, not because your parents or grandparents or whoever it is you live with uh, forced you to do it. But have you picked it up to read it actually yourself because you really want to know what God has to say? Most of the time, it's no. And don't feel bad. Uh, well, you should. But a lot of adults don't do that either. And so work got off just a little bit. Of track you see how see how this can take hours if you if you wanted to so the i'll, I'll read it for you real quick so we're, since we're talking about it, ezekiel um it's actually becoming one of my favorite uh verses because it's so uh, to, to you guys at this age with and it's not no offense with your lack of knowledge um it's not overly exciting but for me, um, at where I'm at in my walk with God, it's just it's so powerful what He's done because it, it talks it talks in Peter about you need to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ, and you when you understand what He's what He He's offering you and what He's done for you and what He saved you from, it makes you that much more grateful and that much more humble. So I want you to listen to uh, Ezekiel 36. And it says, uh, verse 20, uh, 25, you just listen. 
It says, Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Remember last week when we were at John John's house, when we were, stu- when we were studying the rich young ruler? What was his problem? Now, but there's a word that Dave said last week that was like the big, that was the big word that he had a big issue with. Idols. Idolatry. Yep, exactly. And what does God say? He, well, this is now. This is now, This is God talking here. Okay. This is God. Listen. Listen. To what he's saying. Uh. He says, I will cleanse you from all your filthiness, all your sin. And then he says, also, I will cleanse you from your idols. Every, anything you put ahead of God. We're not going to go in there because we went over that last week. But it's anything you put ahead of God. It can be anything. Anything. So listen to this. And it gets, and it gets it's, this is so amazing. Verse 26. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Remember I just talked about that? That's what we're talking about. Verse 27. Now, okay, so so here's what he's saying. He's going to cleanse you from your filthiness, your sin. He's going to cleanse of your idols because that doesn't happen naturally. People don't just wake up one day and say, you know what? I am done living my life like this. I'm giving my life over to God right now. If they don't ever hear the word of God, that's never going to happen. That that just doesn't happen naturally. So, so not only is he going to cleanse us from our sins and our idols, he's going to give us as a free gift. Everybody loves free, but they don't want this gift. It's amazing. But he's going to give you Okay, he's going to give you a new heart and a new spirit within you. And then it gets better from there because in verse 27, I will put my spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit, within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. What does that mean? Statutes just means his commands. Walk in my ways. Walk in my teachings. Walk in Jesus' teachings. Because we don't do that naturally. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And why do we obey why do we do that? Think about that word. We don't like that word, obey. Why do you do what your teachers tell you to do at school? Why do we do what our bosses tell us to do? Why do we do what our parents want us to do? Two of you are mine in this room, so be careful how you answer that. Why do we do it? Because we're going to be punished, yeah. But is that the reason really why we obey? Just to avoid punishment? Sounds like I'm father of the year. But why? But why would you obey? Let's let's not worry about school and let's not worry about let's not worry about jobs. Why? Why do you obey in the first place? Well, I can tell. I, I'll, I'll just say this. I obeyed my parents because I didn't want them to let them down and because I loved them. That's why. Big difference than fear. Now there are families out there for sure. And it's getting more and more wicked every day. But what happens is, is people at certain houses where they they are abused for not listening. You're, so you're right on there. Some people do it. 
I know, I, I know, I know what you're saying, but I, all I'm saying is that that's a reality. But that's not why we we obey God and why we serve. We we obey, we love God because He first loved us. That's in First John. So again, if you listen to that, that stuff's super amazing. Now, some to some of us, that's like, yeah, okay. But that right there is that's New Testament talk, because the Holy Spirit, I mean, is live. At that point in history, when that when that that was in Ezekiel, the Holy Spirit, he was living in people that had faith in in God because that's how people are saved by faith. But in this, that's new. But that's so New Testament, where we're at right now in Acts. So go. So we're going to go back to Acts here. I'm going to finish up. Verse twenty five. He says, "Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. He doesn't need anything from us." But here's what it, here's here's the thing. Since he himself gives to all people life and breath in all things. God is the giver. So, everybody right now, take a breath in and out. Maybe you didn't do it as exaggerated as I did. And then, quick, feel your pulse. Okay? Those are gifts. It's a gift. He gives you life and breath and all things. And I want to jump down to 26. And he says, he made from one man, talking about Adam, every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth. Now listen to this. This is for all of us. Having determined their appointed times, life and death, where you are right now, what you're going to do tomorrow, even though you don't really know what you're doing tomorrow. You don't know how tomorrow's going to go. But listen, and the boundaries of their habitation, where you live. And then, verse 27, that they would seek God if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though this is amazing here. He is not far from each one of us. Now, when I think of groping, I used to play a game. I I don't know if it's the right name for it, but I think it's Blind Goat's Gruff. I could be wrong on that. Basically, what you do is you shut. We go in a room like this. We have to clear it all out because we would trip over ourselves. But it would be pitch black. Maybe that's it. That's what it is. I don't know why someone called it that. So I, it messed me up since childhood. But So you know the game then. Turn the lights out, and you do something, and you have to find people, and they have to be as quiet as possible. It's actually really fun. We played it in my parents' garage. It was it was pretty fun. Um, but the thing is, is you know you're you're groping. You're like like this. You know you're trying to find your way around, right? And that's what and that's what we do. But see, a lot of people are searching for God, but they don't they don't know it's actually God they're searching for. But they 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 search for God in relationships. Um, they search for, um, they search for it in in materialistic things, jobs and cars and money and all these things, just like the rich young ruler. But that's why that's why he came to Christ when he did because he didn't have salvation and he knew it. And he came and he came to Christ and then when Christ said, "Okay, you want salvation? Sell everything you have, give give it to the poor, and more importantly than anything else, come follow me." 
Yeah, I'm not going to do that. I mean, the, the, the clothes he had on was probably really, really nice. And I'm like, you guys are dressed like that and you're smelling and stuff. I'm sitting here comfortable. I can't do it. And the question is, is what are the things that you cannot give up for God that you're that's holding you back from salvation? Because it's because if the rich young, young ruler never never repented of that and turned to Christ, then his then he is suffering eternal damnation as we speak. And that those are written as warnings that we should not do the same thing, that we give up anything to follow Christ. Because the cost is high to follow him. So as we start to finish up the last few verses here, uh, I want to go to the end of 27. It says, though he is not far from each one of us. He's in this room right now. You just can't physically see him. And if you really do believe that, which it, it doesn't, I guess it doesn't matter if you believe it or not, that is the truth. And so he is here in this moment. And not in a, you know, Santa Claus figurative type of way, but literally he is here listening to this. And you know what he's also doing? It says, it says that God searches the heart. He knows the mind and the heart. And the word of God, which you're reading right now, judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So he's judging your heart and challenging your heart and seeking your heart out right now. Now, see, we can smile at each other, we can talk, and we can you know, talk about how our days are going, how our week's going, and, and things like that. But here's the thing. What is secretly in here, deep within there, that's holding you back? That's, that's the thing. Because if, you know, if this is your last day, you're not going to have another opportunity to seek him out. And yeah, and some of us, you know, we we have a lot of things going on. We're stressed out. We're tired, and I, I get it. I understand tiredness. But nothing is more important than God. Nothing, and no one. So as we start to, again, start to wrap up. Says, verse twenty-eight. Now this is very powerful. For in Him we live and move and exist. It's in him that we move and exist and live. As some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Well, if you don't have Christ, you're not his child. It's, you know, it says in John that if basically it says that if you're not of your father in heaven, you're of your father of the devil. And no, it's not one of those, you know, Corny movies with a southern accent. You're, you know, you're all, all the devil. You know, all that kind of stuff. Like, what was that? Um, oh, the what's that movie? Uh, Waterboy. Everything's the devil. So it, it it waters it down and makes it kind of goofy and silly. But it's really that that's the situation. If you're if you're following your own way, if you're following the way of the world, uh, and I don't and who I don't know what you do. On a daily basis, it's not my place. To, I'm not here to judge you. God is the one that's going to judge. But you only know what you do in secret. But that's not true either, because I just told you He searches the, the the depths of your heart. He sees the things that you do when you think no one else is watching. 
And no, it's not, again, I, you heard me say this before, but it's, again, it's not a Santa Claus thing where he's, you know, where it tries to make you really think about stuff. This is this is real life stuff. This is this is serious business. And then to finally wrap it up, because he's talking, Paul is talking to non-Christians here. They don't know, there was, a, there was an inscription that says, to the unknown God. He's making that God known to them. The true God, big G. So he says here, again, being then the children of God, we ought not to think the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. It's not made by man. God is not created by human hands. He is self-existent. He exists before time began. In him there is time, but he is timeless. And then, in verse 30, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere... Does that mean some people? It means all people everywhere. Us in this room. But it says this. God is now declaring. He is shouting it from the mountains as, a, as something that you need to do. And here it says, declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent. Because, why should we repent? Here is the because. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed. Who's the man? Capital M. Yeah, that's right. Jesus. Now, here's what here's it's giving me goosebumps right now. This is scary. This ought this ought to frighten you. Because he says this. He has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man. Are you righteous? Are you holy? If you're honest with yourself, you're like, uh-uh. Not even close. I have I sinned so many times today. And I'm not here to say you're a sinner too. We are. We all are. But are you saved by the grace through faith in Christ Jesus or not? If Christ is not your Savior, you have a big problem. Because it says right here, he's fixing a day. When's that day? No one knows the day of the hour. Guys, you can get lost on YouTube. Please don't do this. Don't look up end times prophecy. Don't look at that stuff on YouTube. All that stuff is garbage. Because the world's supposed to end now. It's supposed to end October 22nd now, I think. Something's supposed to happen. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, this, this rabbi... I saw this. I saw this. I had to listen to it. I thought it was funny. This rabbi claims that next year, he knows when the Messiah is coming. Not the second time. We're talking about the first time. He's going to come next year around this time of the year. So get ready. And you know what's going to happen? Unless he comes before that. Oh, um... By the way, that doesn't, that was, oh, we, we mistranslated here, so that's what that is. It says in scripture, plain as day, clear as crystal, that no one knows the day of the hour. So what does that mean for us? You have to be ready. You don't know when your time is going to come. And I know this, does, this sounds like a sci-fi movie, but what's going to happen is that, now Christ is not going to come down first. He's going to gather his 
his chosen people up first. So those are those of us that are believers, the true believers in Christ in this room, we'd be here one minute and then it, seriously in a blink. You know when you blink, you can see black for a minute? That quick and we'd be out of here. Then stuff would start getting real. Then you'd be then you'd be begging God for mercy. But see, that's what godly star is. You're begging for mercy. Have you ever begged for mercy? Probably not. Could you imagine though, if your life was on the line, wouldn't you be pleading with the person that was going to take your life? To, you beg them for life and mercy. But get, see, here's the thing: God is again. He's fixed a day where He's going to judge the world in righteousness through Christ. Are you as holy as Christ? Are you as righteous as Him? Absolutely not. Some of you that are shaking your heads right now, at least you get that. That's what he's going to base it upon. Christ has set the bar here, all the way up here. We, we are never going to even come close to that. So we have a problem. How can we? I said this before, and I asked this question, I'll ask it again. How, how can sinful, dirty, wretched, vile sinners stand before a righteous, holy, just God? You tell me. I want to know. Do you know? How? If you died this moment and you stood before him in the judgment, which you will, what are you going to say to him? Well, I mean, I was just at Wednesday night Bible study. That should count for something, right? I want. How, how do you answer that question? You don't. That's exactly right. You don't. Well, Christ is the answer. He's everything. That's it. He's going to... So here, here's the beautiful part. So he fixes a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man, Christ, whom he has appointed. He's the Christ. That's what that title means, the, the appointed one, the chosen one, the Messiah. That's what that means. Christ is not his last name. Okay? Having furnished proof by all or to all men... By raising him from the dead. It confirmed when Jesus rose from the dead that that is the Messiah. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords and you better get right with him now. Because that day is coming and it's coming quickly. Sad, I hate to say this out loud, but I was sitting in your shoes at one point. Dave was sitting in your shoes at one point. But by the grace of God, he, he found us. In Romans it says, there's no one that seeks after God. God is the seeker. He's seeking you out right now. Remember that in John 6, 44. You can't come to Christ unless you are drawn by the Father. You're being drawn right now. What are you going to do with that? He's drawing you in. He's And he's urging you. And he's declaring. He's... I'm not saying God's begging here, but he's like, he's pleading with you. He's urging you, just come to me for life. I will put, I will put a new spirit within you. I will remove the heart of stone so you can come after me. So you can come after me. So you can love me. So I can love you. So I can love you like a son. I will put my spirit within you. So guess what? You are sealed. You are, you're held in. And I'm going to give you a faith that will never shake no matter what. 
you don't think my shape, my uh, faith has been tested before? You don't think Dave's faith has been tested before? There are people in this congregation, people. There are people that you know personally. Parents, grandparents that have been tested and gone through it seeming like hellfire. And you know what? They're still holding on. Is it because how strong they are? No, no, no. If salvation was dependent on us, we'd lose grip and we'd fail. But Jesus says, I will, if you come to me, I will know why I cast you out. And I want to read you this last part because uh, well, Romans 8 is, such, is so awesome, and you know, we always go there a lot. But listen to this. This is this is the God you serve. This is the faith in him. This is the guarantee. Um, starting in verse 35 through 39. We're going to leave, leave you with this. This is such a beautiful promise. Actually, you know, since you're almost there, Acts, Romans, go turn to Romans 8 right now. 8, 35 to 39. I want, you to, I want you to see this with your eyes. I want you to open your ears. I want you to, to, to take off anything that's, that would hinder you from listening to what God's saying. I want, this is God speaking to you, to your heart. I want you to listen to what this is saying. First off, before we get, I, I apologize to you. I want you to just listen to this first. So stay at 35 and 39, uh, all those. I want you to listen to verse 1. This is how Romans 8 starts. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did you hear that? You are not going to be condemned if you're in Christ. Are you in Christ? So what's going to happen if you're not in Christ? You are going to be condemned. See ya. Away from me, I never knew you. Now, let's look at 35. This is what happens if you're in Christ. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation, it means hardship, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril of sword? Just as it's written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long, for we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Here we go. Listen to these last three verses. Listen. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him, talking about Christ, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, depth, or any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You will never be separated from Christ. You will never be separated. So again, he gives you a saving faith. When he talks about putting his spirit within you, he has this, he has this grip on you, and it's never going to let go. You ever seen movies where someone reaches down and they grab somebody and save their life? And they're holding on like this, right? And someone's trying to. I think it was. I think it was Avengers, the last one, where Black Widow, where she, where she let go like this. She let go of the grip, and he wasn't strong enough. He let go, right? Remember that? Christ has got you. You let go all the time. I'm gonna go back. I wanna go back. I can't do this anymore. I got you. He doesn't. He doesn't faint. His strength doesn't grow weary. 
He is too powerful. So if your your faith is in him, you are no longer condemned. You never have to wonder, oh, if I die, what's going to happen to me? I'm secure. I'm actually, this is, this is going to sound weird because I'm not suicidal, but, but I'm actually looking forward to my death. The grave doesn't scare me. We were at my uncle's funeral. It doesn't scare me. 1st question out of my mouth when I found out my uncle was dying is, does he know Christ? I hope so. And why did I didn't say anything to him sooner? You have an opportunity at this moment, that God is in this moment. It says in Scripture, whether two or more that gather in my name, there I am with them. And some, some translations say, there I am in the midst of thee. Christ is in this room at this moment. If you are hearing the word of God and there's, again, multiple believers in this room, he is here. And he is using me by the grace of God Almighty. I don't know why, but he's using me to, to teach the scriptures to you, to open them up and show you. Don't let this love pass you by. Why would you wait another minute? Why is that baptismal not being used? What, what, what scares you about this faith? What bothers you? What is holding you back? Because I can tell you right now, I've studied years and years and years. He is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. I, again, I care for you guys. That's why I'm here. And I'm telling you, you cannot let this moment pass you by any longer. Because right now, here's what's going on within your hearts. And you can tell me if I'm right or wrong. And maybe you don't want to because you're too tough. But what's going on right now, you're, there's a battle going on right in here. Part of it's like, oh, that sounds right. Oh, I want that. Uh, I don't know. That's the battle. Satan right now is whispering in your ear, don't listen to that. Did God really say that? Did he, does he really, is he really strong enough to save you? Is there really a God at all? But you know what? These other things I'm doing are a lot, a lot more fun. And by fun, I mean mind numbing is what it might mean by being fun. You don't have to think. Jesus Christ died on the cross. You hear that so often. But when he died upon the cross, you were on his mind. You were on the forefront of his mind and in his heart. He hung in there for you. And he said, Father, forgive them. They, not, they don't know what they're doing. But when Jesus Christ on the cross said, it is finished, that meant that, that right there. Because it says here, and, oh, I, actually, I have to go back to uh, 17. Because I was, I was like, it was on the my page. But when it says that uh, when he will judge the world in righteousness through a man he appointed, he said it is finished. He completed the redemption process. The forgiveness of sins was now attainable through him. But it didn't just stop there because it said in verse, uh, where is it? 
Verse 31. Furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Jesus is alive. He is God. And he is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Waiting for you right now to make your choice. And one scripture I'm going to leave you with. And this scripture has scared the daylights out of me more than one time. So I'm, I guess I am kind of trying to, in a way, scare you. Um, so Matthew 10, 33, listen to this. Uh, actually, we'll do 32. I want you to leave a little bit of good news in there. 32 and 33. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father in heaven. Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you believe with all your heart that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that died on the cross for your sins, that lived a perfect sinless life and was raised, raised three days later, is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and that faith through him will save you? Because if you don't, here's 33. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. I never knew you. I don't know who you are. Don't be mistaken. God knows, listen, look at verse, you're not there. Matthew 10, 30. But the very hairs on your head are numbered. He knows you. Intimately does he know you. Well, he knows everything about you, for sure. Spiritually, though, do you know him? So, I know we went overboard, but... Guys, greatest news ever. That God would descend from heaven in the form of a man, still God, but fully man. Take your sins upon a cross, nail them on there, and come to me and follow me. Have life. Faith and grace. Grace through faith. So... Anybody have any questions?